0: Hello, my name is Michael Coplitz, and I've been a pastor for over 20 years. I am an avid biblical researcher, and I do share that work in my sermons. This sermon is a part of my series titled Worship by Subject. Every passage of the Bible has a message to it. You may want to pull out your Bible and follow along. I do use the New American Standard 1995 Bible Translation. However, any Bible you have will do. So let's come together to hear the word of the Lord and the message from that reading. This message is from John chapter 4, 43 to 54 and is titled Choosing a Church. So let's get started. The Hebrew people in Jesus' day were looking for signs and miracles to prove that a person was the Messiah. Many people who lived before and during Jesus' lifetime claimed to be the Messiah. John's gospel has seven miracles in it that Jesus did. This happens to be the second one. Healing stories, they're numerous in the Gospels, but this actual story is missing a lot of information that could have enhanced the story. However, the author must have neglected to add that information because it would detract from the miracle. Healing a person without seeing or touching him is a huge miracle. It says that Jesus knew who needed healing and could send a healing force to that person without even touching them, not even in the same room. This method of healing is an incredible miracle. Well, what lesson can we derive from this short narrative? I believe that being able to identify false messiahs is the critical point here. Today, okay, we don't call them messiahs. But they have the title of preachers, pastors, evangelists, bishops, and others. During my years in ministry, I came to know a young parishioner. He was unhappy at the church because the old folks would not allow family activities. I, too, objected to this idea, and I was able to get a different appointment. Well, Derek decided to leave the church. Six months later, I met Derek and asked him how his family and his church family was doing. He told me that they had not decided on a church yet, so I offered him some criteria for the new church selection. Simply, I said, you have to listen to three or possibly even more of the sermons to discover how much the preacher knew about the Bible. Today. We don't have false messiahs. However, we have uneducated preachers. I told Derek that he needed to weigh what the preacher said against what he knew was the truth. At the beginning of my ministry journey, my lovely bride and I went to United Methodist Church. The preacher was a local pastor. Now, these pastors did not receive the same education and training as ordained elders. But in her sermon, she spoke about angels and placed them at the same level as the Trinity. She did not understand the church's position of the Trinity, not even close. When we left that church, I asked my bride, how can the church allow this person to preach falsehoods, things she didn't know? When I was moving through the ordination elder process, it was not until the end of the journey that someone asked me about my theological understandings. My bride became a local pastor, and she told me they never questioned her theological position on anything. It is worse today because there's a massive store shortage of pastors. And the way the previous bishop made appointments in my conference for, forced many of us to retire, leave the denomination, or just leave the conference. I selected early retirement, and now they're desperate. The problem with desperation is that standards for who gets into clergy and who doesn't get lowered. It is vital to the future success of the church that the requirements for becoming a pastor be returned to their high levels. Now, not that the church should make it impossible to pass the test, instead, the church should weed out people who really aren't called and must encourage those who are. When I was in my second year of the ordination process, it was a three-year ordeal. I asked the vice chairman of the Board of Ordained Ministry how many elders would pass the current standards. And his shocking answer was 20%. Either there was something wrong with the assessment or with the pastors. It was probably a little bit of both. I did tell him that. Might have been a mistake, but it was Okay. The church needs to return to a high standard for pastors and preachers. If there are not enough pastors to cover a conference or a synod, then perhaps it's time to close a few of the smaller ones and combine them into one larger one. I know that's not a very well-accepted position. In my conference, they are begging retired pastors to return. They are even placing laypersons without any training in churches. The question they need to answer is what good is it going to do for the churches to have untrained people preaching the word of God. The word of God should be brought before the people in the best way possible, and by the best trained and educated people. Yes, I am a proponent of education. I also believe that time is well passed that the hierarchy does everything possible to help their pastors to enjoy their work. Usually, bishops make things difficult. Sorry to say that, bishops, but you do. It's time for church leaders in the conferences to understand that without the local churches, they're finished. No conference, no bishop. You can't have a conference with no churches in it. This applies to all churches. Small, yes, medium, and yes, large churches. Now, in my Doctor of Ministry work, I examined the finances of my conference, and I discovered that 50% of the churches contributed 33% of the budget. The sitting bishop said that small churches did not matter anymore. And as a member of the conference financial committee, I can say to you that the conference would financially collapse if all the small churches were closed. Okay, the bottom line is that when you go to choose a church to become a member of, you need to listen to at least three sermons. Then you must research to ensure that this new preacher of yours understands the Bible and the fundamental theology of Christianity. The sermon is an important component of the worship celebration. This is where 90% of Christians learn anything about the scripture and Jesus' day. I pray that you will find a church or you will find a well and a well, I should say, and a well-educated clergy person can help you find one. God bless you for listening to this message and as always, shalom.